You're listening to Two Guys Talking Wine with Michael Pincus and Andre Pru. Good evening, Michael. Andre, how the hell are you? It's another one of these uh, fly-by-the-seat-of-our-pants podcasts. Um, I know we, we've definitely stopped calling them uh, Quarantine Chronicles, but let's face it, um, this podcast is definitely being impacted by the pandemic. Well, I, I, I agree with that, but I, I, I do believe we actually have a topic this evening, whereas uh, there have been times where we have gotten behind the mic and kind of hoped for the best <laughs> as far as things go. Hang on, hang on. I've, I've got a song that I can use to introduce uh, the topic, okay? Okay. I, I wasn't sure if you could hear this. Um, we're trying a new studio setup in the Toronto studio, so let's see how this goes, okay? All right, I'm listening. I can't hear anything. You can't hear anything. Okay. That's unusual. Yeah. I was playing Are You Ready for the Summer? Oh, no, from uh, from Meatballs. Yeah. Oh, do you know what? Uh, really funny. One of my favorite lines from that movie. I was uh, I was dropping off a neighbor's birthday present, and they have a, a, a nice little Labrador uh, dog. And... Uh, she wanted to come in and then she wanted to go out. She wanted to come in. She wanted to go out. She wanted to come in and she wanted to go out. And I turned to her and I said, come on, Morty, make up your mind, which obviously is from the movie. But wouldn't you know it that my neighbors used to have a dog named Morty and they were shocked. They're like, hey, we never knew you when we had Morty. That's a good story. It's a weird one. And you're like. No, really, it's actually from meatballs. So then you have to go in and you have to explain, you know, where it comes from and the meatballs and the and uh, Jack Tripper and the whole nine yards. So. Man, I love Bill Murray. Yeah, yeah, good old Bill. So I believe that today we are going to dive into summer uh, wines. Uh, summer wines. Okay, summer- but uh, but here's the thing: is I am doing this under one condition. Okay. For this episode and this episode only for 2021, nope. my swear jar use of the C word is suspended for this episode. No. Nope. You, you got to give it to me. No, I can't. You, you have to. Because you're going to do it on purpose. No, I'm not going to do it on purpose. You We're are. About- I'm looking at your list here and it's all C word stuff. So yeah, no. okay, but it's it's the summer. What else are we drinking in the summer? We're drinking white wines. We're drinking rosé and... Correct, I can't, but there's I can't Sauvignon spend the Blanc, summer. there's Alberino, there's all kinds of other wines, but you are going to try and get away with it. So Yeah, because you, I'm you, looking you, forward to what Ontario does great. Okay, so here you go. You can either do one of two things. All right. You can either keep count, or you can put, for this episode only, a set amount in. All right, well, for me, it's a nickel every time I say it. Uh, let's just... All right, I'm I'm throwing a five spot in. We'll do it for this All right. episode. All right, there you go. Okay, so there's your five spot right there. How much are you I... throwing in to match me though? Because because it's for a good cause. It is, but I can say it. So yeah, yeah, but I, but I think I, I think you should I, need to. I, I think you should I say need to... enough bad bad words. Uh, I'm actually ahead right now. I'm ahead uh, by fifteen cents before this episode. Well, now you're up by a, a buck fifty uh, by five fifteen. And I find that surprising because uh, um, I was, I was well, I guess in the last episode you threw out a few more. 
Uh, I threw out one S word, but our guest Maroki added a lot to the swear jar. Yeah, yeah. So I hope we hold. I hope we hold her uh, accountable for that. Um, summer wines. So summer wines. I actually I opened something just before we tuned into the podcast. Um, something I was really looking forward to. I know anyone who visits AndreWineReview.ca when I talk about um, 2017 as a growing year and anyone who has visited me at the farmer's market where um, I'm still selling some 2017 Dam Chardonnay but also the 2017 Alter Ego Syrah from Rockway that I know you enjoyed. Yeah, that was really good. I did a video on that one. Uh, but it's just something about that vintage where it you know, it defies logic. It just, it completely defies logic how good the wines are from that year. And I opened up for this podcast tonight, uh, the Westcott Brilliant. Actually, I, I don't think it defies logic, that vintage. Uh, it defies that it, it ended up being good. But after, when you look at it in retrospect, um, it, it becomes a good vintage. Well, but you know, well, if well, you Michael, had been sitting uh, on on your porch or patio on uh, August thirty first, you would have just uh, written that whole vintage off completely. I, I mean, that's the thing for me where I, I think that was the that was the first vintage where the where the ADX Wine Company like we really decided to make a go at it and and try to establish ourselves as a company. But I remember that first week in September, Vadim taking. Um, vineyard samples us checking the sugars on them and and just being like what the hell man and and like here's the thing is like i know that we're a tiny company we were working with one grower from a specific site but in that moment you know i had this moment of dread in the bottom of my stomach where it's just like what the hell do the people at niagara do when something like this happens well obviously they they cry a lot and they and make the best of it i know a lot of winemakers at the time were, were thinking that rosé and sparkling wine were the were the way to go in that vintage and and then turned around for that for that month month and a half and it was uh it was outstandingly good but yeah i agree with you i, I think the brilliant um uh the brilliant sparkling is 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 very good i wouldn't call it brilliant but i would say it's very good yeah, it's definitely it's definitely up there. I don't think it's um I don't think it's obnoxiously priced if I remember correctly. Uh, thirty four. Yeah, so we're up there. Some of that nature. That's 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 a fair price. Yeah, that's uh, not that's not a bad. But on, I on would the other not, hand, it's not I would really not what kick I would that out of my a, bed for eating cookies. Beverage. I would not kick that out of my bed for eating cookies if it showed up. No, but I it's not what I consider a, a summer beverage. I guess I guess my idea of a summer oh, beverage Michael, versus your idea of a summer beverage Michael, is going to be slightly different. Here. Michael, Michael. Michael, I know about Fridays at your house. I know, but I'm 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 more than uh, more than happy to uh, open up. A, see, to me, a summer beverage is cheap and cheerful. Uh, it's fruity. Uh, the brilliant. Uh, it's thirty nine ninety nine. Is way. is more of more of an elegant wine. So bring it out, you know, over the course of a of a dinner or as a as an aperitif. Uh, whereas you know something like a cheap Sauvignon Blanc. Uh, like uh, uh, like the Henry of Pelham Sauvignon Blanc, which is which is, you know, um, that's very a tropical yeah, this year. The twenty twenty is is extremely tropical, and that's a certified banger. Like from the fourteen ninety five. Yeah, um, yeah, you're right. I think we do have different views of summer wine because I think just in my household is just um, I, I drink a lot, and, and lately I've been drinking a lot more red wines in the winter. 
uh, we did a bit of a, a, bit, a bit of a preamble and we're going to talk about like one specific wine in particular, but uh, Anya, my wife, has been trying to learn more about Spanish wine, so we have a lot more Rioja in the house. Um, uh, I've been, especially after our uh, podcast with the people from La Rose, uh, gravitating to more like Bordeaux Superior, um, naturally a lot of Pinot Noir from Niagara especially with what we're doing this year, Cabernet Franc. But it's just like, for me, the moment the mercury starts to rise, you going to make your bad joke since I mentioned mercury? No. You no, sure? I'm not going to do it. I'm going I'm, I'm to, you know, you, I, you'll, turn, you'll turn that into my, uh, into my swear word, and I, I'm not going to do it. Okay, okay. Well, when the mercury starts to rise... I... But you, you, are, uh, you are crazy uh, <laughs> to mention mercury. <laughs> Um, but I mean, that's just like, I start to switch to, to more white wines and like for me, summer wine, I I think, I think we are just at a point where, and I'll be honest, I think it's an opportunity for the podcast because you and I, I think when we started it, we're drinking a lot more the same and now we're drinking very differently. I would agree with that. And, uh, on I'm, the other hand, I'm, I'm at the moment, I'm tasting a, a ton of rosé. I, I, I I'm close to a, a hundred rosés for the rosé report. And there's, uh, you know, there's at least a month of tasting left to go. Matt, I really love that project that you're undertaking too. And it's, it's exciting to see how the market has adapted to rosé and not just because a big part of my business is, is, um, hanging its reputation on rosé, but like they just opened up a brand new LCBO on the same block where I live, and um, you were you were near the the big LCBO anyway. I'm surprised they would open one that's that close to you. Well, it's 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 a tiny store, you know. But um, they have a product consultant who works at the store, and it's a very well stocked vintages section. Uh, we talked about the Louis; that was something they brought in, and I got to finally meet my product consultant, and we had a great conversation. And um, yeah, there's an LCBO on my block. Anyways, the point that I'm making is I went in there. I was looking for, you know, let's let's just dive right into it. You're doing the Rosé Report. You recommended to me the Toro y Bravo. Um, Toro Bravo, a Spanish uh, uh, Rosé. Yeah. Uh, it's $8.45. Or 45 whatever. It's, and it's, it's cheap I will be chips. honest, last year's was garbage. It was, it was, look, sorry. It was okay. It was just drinkable right and this this year and i guess because i have last year's you know horror show in my head i thought the 2020 version was really good not 93 points good yeah and 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 let's not give waste any more airtime talking about who scored that 93 points but But i bet you can figure it out not 93 points good but it's a solid 85 it's um I, oh you know, my but, god! You, you know what? You know what? actually that's something. I'm, I'm, you know what? You and I had we've talked at length about this wine um, off the air, and, and, and you know what? I, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this podcast talking about the ridiculous part of scoring, but an eighty-five point eight dollar wine, I think, is something people should be excited about. And, and I and, and look, I think it's the first sip is kind of weird. Uh, especially the nose, but if you let it open up a little bit, get a get a really good chill on it. It becomes a really affordable, buy a bunch of it, quaff it down kind of rosé. And it wasn't that last year, so this year's is is a much better version. And uh, you know, uh, but solid eighty five. And at eight dollars and forty five cents, 
you can buy six. You still haven't you know, you still haven't cracked. Uh, well, I think you, you just cracked the fifty dollar mark. Uh, it's a fifty dollars and seventy cents. Well, and here's the thing for me is is you sent me a message telling me to go pick up the bottle and talk about it. And um, once again, talking about the fact that we're drinking differently is I'm spending a little bit more money, a little bit more frequently. You know, I've been lucky enough to have a raise in wage, so I can afford to drink a, a little bit better. But you know, when when Michael Pincus sends you a text message saying go pick up this wine, and this is me being nice to you for a change, Michael. Oh Jesus! You um you generally look forward to it, so I'm not gonna lie. When when I grabbed the Tori Bravo, I was a little underwhelmed. Um, Probably was, because I I did build it up. I did say it's really good. It was. I should have just drinkable. told you to go buy it and give me your thoughts. Yeah, yeah. Here's the thing: is I thought it was drinkable, but I thought it was lacking a little, you know, just a little concentration. It felt a little disjointed. And I realize I'm talking about an eight dollar and fifty cent wine, but um. Just to make sure I wasn't insane today, so a couple days after I tasted the wine, I put the Argento uh, Rosé in the fridge, and I'm I'm assuming Malbec, possibly Merlot. It's an Argentinian Rosé. It's like ten dollars and change for a bottle. I've always been very happy with it, and frankly, I thought it was, you know, for the two dollar difference, definitely two dollars worth more of wine. You see, I I I. Would would say that the Argento, having tasted it, is a, is a decent uh, rosé. I uh, uh, although it's a much a much bigger jump from Argentina. Uh, there's a, uh, a Susana Balbo that's really good, but it's twenty three bucks, and it's really really that that one's got a lot of acidity and a lot a lot going for it. But again, you're doubling your price. Um, but that that was that was really good to me as far as Argentina. And I and I guess when sometimes when you when you taste one of those really good ones from a country that's the one that you put in your head so then when you taste the argento you're like eh it's okay well how much is how much is the other one 23 okay but you're talking double the price now that's what i said i said for double the price and uh, oh that, yeah, but that's was, but that's interesting coming from you so is it worth double the price in your opinion look um i my thought is that rosé should be 20 bucks and under so anything that's over 20 bucks I think you you've really got to you know set the world on fire uh, uh, for I'm... for rose and there's very few to me that sets the world on fire at, at at over twenty bucks. I am half in agreement with you. I'm pushing mine to twenty five. I know there's a few that roll their way through vintages that are like a hundred bucks a bottle, and to me it's just like why and and who and and what like I just like I see a price of that on on rose and I think about like what rosé is for and who's drinking rosé it's just like i don't know I, I know there's some psalms and industry people who listen to this can can someone please send me a dm on instagram or, or send me an email at andre at andrewreinerview.ca tell me why a hundred dollar rosé is is worth it just please you see uh, to me rosé is something that that's it's chuggable that uh, you know you throw it in the glass then you throw another one in the glass then you throw another one in the glass it's not something to spend the afternoon try to figure it out it yeah. is a wine that should go in the glass go in the glass chilled and just drink the hell out of it uh, and 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 to spend that kind of dollars on a wine that you're really not going to put a lot of thought into um, it doesn't make sense to me well I mean but that being said though um Friend of the podcast Thomas Bachelder, he um, he did 
have a profound impact on my view of rosé because when I made that first vintage of When Pigs Fly in 2017, I did slide a few bottles his way because um, he was not a consultant on it, but he definitely gave us some advice that helped what we do and what we've been doing. But he's the one who was just like, you know, hey, Andre, you should age a few bottles. And I was just like, Haha, good one, Thomas. Uh, the moment this wine hits the bottle, I want to see it all gone as quickly as possible. And uh, I managed to have a few bottles just kicking around, and the wine is still evolving. So my 2017 rosé is is still tasting okay. It's on its last legs. But I'm kind of wishing that I'd held on to a few bottles a, a little bit longer. So I don't know. Maybe, now, maybe, I, you, I maybe... Really, you know what? I, here, here's, what I, here's what I've learned. Uh, and and you take it for what it's worth. Yeah. Uh, having done the, uh, the, the rosé report now in my third year, uh, I am learning that if it's not from your current vintage, which now would be 2020, uh, 19 is still holding up because of that fresh acidity. 18s are really uh, dying uh, a slow death, and 17 is a, a, a show. Oh, yeah. So, you know what? Rosé is still not at one 17? of those wines who is still... in any way, shape, or form that I want to age. And also, Michael, having, who is 17 uh, still? having saved some bottles, because I'm, as you know, a, a collector uh, from the very first Rosé report that I did. I did save uh, a couple of extra bottles just to see. And, you know, even some of them the next year were not really good. So I was dumping out wines that I was like, wow, that was really good last year. But... It is not refreshing this year, so what the hell do I want to keep it for? So rosé is a to me is a, a, a it's it's got to be fresh, it's got to be lively. Um, I'm not looking for complexity in rosé uh, to the point where you know I want to age it. That's that's what it is. I, I like some complex rosés, uh, but I mean I'm not looking for it to age and, and become you know something so different than what I tasted the the first year I had it. Yeah, yeah, you know I, I you know we're on the same page with that. I want to enjoy it while it's young and fresh and um you know it's the same thing with you know we've talked about how I'm not a huge fan of super old wines. It's just like I like the fruit to stay vibrant and um you know vibrant and fresh. That that being said what I've noticed about the 2020s from Ontario is that we are having a hell of a time holding on to acidity. Whereas 19, you know, city was all over it. 2020, uh, um, it's, you know it's amazing I, I, how many uh, of our rosés uh, are are very tasty, very fruity, but uh, the acidity seems to be lacking in the pucker department for refreshment. Yeah, yeah, no, I'd agree with you on that. I, I am looking forward to what you think of when you taste the the 2020, the 2021 pigs fly. Um, Acid. I know you brought a tank sample over, and and I was I was impressed with uh, with that one. But but you and I uh, both still had the not same... as good as your seventeen. And that's which it. You, you, was you just and an I... outstanding bottle. But yeah, you and I had a... the same impression of that, where it was just like it was noticeable that the the acid was down. But I mean, on the other thing, I do like the fact that the the wine reflects the vintage, right? Well, obviously it has to. So speaking of, do you have any other summer? selections because i know yours are going to be completely different than than mine <laughs> just based on our, our our brief conversation here i'm probably going to be a lot of uh, of fresh wines and you're going to be a lot of uh, of chardonnay i just feel it. <laughs> uh yeah i'm taking a look at my list here you know what before i get to the list of the uh the chardonnay roundup um exactly. i had a bottle of the meldville sparkling muscat show up at my house Oh, that you know what that wine. Uh, I think Derek Barnett makes his first bottle of sparkling uh, ever. 
uh, as far as I can figure, he didn't make one with Southbrook. I don't think he made one with Laley. I don't think he's made one with. Um, uh, don't I don't think they made one with Carlo. This is this to me is a absolute pure, you know, delight. Chill the hell out of it. it the bottle should come with a straw. Yeah, I mean that was it too. And, and here's the thing: is I mean we're talking about an off dry, you know, grape that. Muscat. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's not like it's. It's not like it's. It's Niagara's darling, right? Um, there's a few people who are experimenting with it. A few people who have done stuff with it, but it's not pretending to be anything it isn't. And you know, it's perfectly balanced in the way that you know only a really good winemaker could do. Nine percent alcohol. Yeah. Good um, acidity. It, it it the the sweetness is not cloying. Nope. But if you chugged a bottle of this, you'd probably regret it the next day. I, I believe so, yes. There's enough enough sugar in there that, to, to drive a headache home. But, as I said, it's a great bottle to share. Open it up with friends. Just enjoy it. Think Moscato Dosti with just a little more alcohol and probably a little more bubble because Asti's got that frizzante and this is this is Charmotte. So there is uh, definitely a... Uh, uh, a more bubble to it. Yeah. But, uh, and I'm not, it's... I'm not overcomplicating what it is, but the thing is when you get a wine that has that sweetness, but also the right amount of acidity, like for me, one of my favorite things in the summer is, is just like a simple burger, like really good beef, a little salt, maybe a bit of pepper off the grill. And to get that sweetness to go next to like a really nice cooked hamburger, I think a lot of people would just give me a high five at putting those two things together. I I, I probably can't get enough hamburgers, I think, and especially in the summer. We got a butcher down the street, Smith Fine Foods. He does all kinds of different burgers. He's got he's got blue cheese burgers, he's got um, um, I think so it's beer braised onion burgers. burgers. I'm I'm it's, talking about I'm talking about like hitting the McDonald's drive through, grabbing a half grabbing a half dozen cheeseburgers, not even Big Macs, not even quarter pounders, but just like a half dozen, uh, a half dozen cheeseburgers, regretting life and drinking a bottle of this. Uh, you've you've taken it to a level, a, a lower level. I was thinking of of at you least grilling them because you said it. take them off the grill. Yeah, but you've you've taken it to a level where you don't even do any work. Isn't that you're, what you're, pro- you're probably eating those burgers and drinking that bottle on the way home? I'm talking. Uh, oh, no, always got to get to your destination. No drinking and driving. So okay, so your what turn, is, your turn, your turn. Give me, give me a couple of your wines because I just, I just know. I hate that, that you're just trying to get this out of the way. No, it's your turn. My my list is: I have three Chardonnays I've recently tasted that I think are the wines of the summer. No, I don't want to get them out of the way first. You go first. All right. So okay, so some of the stuff that I have tasted that uh, that have been really really good for summer wines and 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 mine, I, I have. I have a couple of Chardonnays on my list, but I'll save them for for when you uh, uh, for when you start talking about that. But I, I first want to uh, jump on um, one uh, Featherstone, of course, makes a lovely Sauvignon Blanc, and the 2020 is just you know all again lacks the acidity that I really love. Their 19 was very acidic, and I love that. The 2020 is all all that tropical fruit. Um, and, 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 and little, you know, pink grapefruit as opposed to the yellow grapefruit, but it's just really lovely. But so the surprise of the summer for me is because Featherstone always makes a good so long. They made their very first Pinot Grigio. Oh, and I'm telling you, this is an absolute delight. 
misnamed. It is not Grigio. It is Pinot Gris. But it is an absolute stunningly good bottle of Pinot Gris named Pinot Grigio. You know, I'll be honest. Uh, I got the sample sent to me as well. I haven't had a chance to work my way through the entire package yet. So the Sauvignon Blanc is something I always look forward to because um, I think if there's any one wine that um, that has earned uh, Dave the winemaker of the year, it would be the Sauvignon Blanc that is just like, it's not trying to be anything it isn't. There's a little bit of oak aging on it. You know, it has that little bit of complexity. Vintage in, vintage out, just always completely crushable. I know, I know what you're talking about, but I, but if for his winemaker of the year, it's got to be his consistency on that Cab Franc. Year in, year out, doesn't matter. Cool vintage, hot vintage. He nails that Cab Franc year in, year out. That's what gives him winemaker and of the year. Would, would you not agree with me, though, that also that joy... The the the, um, the blonde of blonde. The, whole, the is, whole portfolio is is uh, is you know good to outstanding. Yeah, like I'd there's agree not a that. there's usually not a dog in the in the in the show. So the only two that I've tasted out of the box, and you know, sort of full disclaimer, uh, wines that I'm always looking forward to from Featherstone because a I buy a lot of them, and and b because I like to talk about them are the. Uh, Canadian Oak Chardonnay and Joy. So we got the 2014 Joy, um, which is fantastic. Anything to add, Michael? No, I'm 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 waiting for you to get to the second bottle. The 2019 Canadian Oak Chardonnay, which is um, I guess it's only been two years, but as good if not better than their 2017 vintage. And I am going to buy a case of it. I I would tell you it's probably uh, the best Canadian Oak. Chardonnay to date, and uh, and I would I would even go so far as to say out of the 2019 Chardonnays that I've tasted, I think it's I think it's tough because it's still a little early to get the 2019 Chardonnays out there, but this one is really it's it's already come together and it's just like, going to get the, better. The, the fruit is good, the acidity carries everything. Um, you know, that, that there is that coconut note that you get from Canadian oak. Not sure where it comes from. It's not yeah, like we no grow kidding. coconuts in but Canada. It, but it's not, it's not, it's not weighty, you know? No, like it's, 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 it's like, you know, a, a lovely woman has walked by you on the beach, but like she's, she's already left your line of sight and you're smelling that, that coconut. And it's just like, oh, I missed it. It's the, um. What I what I what I really liked about this wine was that acidity that just kept uh, kept everything in check. It was very, but it was uh, focused. It was, it was very focused. Like it, it, it had. Uh, I wouldn't say Chablis-esque. Um, but it's 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 that light minerality that's in there. Yeah, but it's got uh, tropical. It's got, there. it's got it, mango. It, it's it, got pineapple. It's got mango. It's got pineapple. It's it's got coconut. Like it's got those tropical notes. But at the same time, it's just like no, I'm not out of control. I'm well behaved. I'm focused. Here is your pear. Here is your apple. Here is what makes Niagara great. But you know, by the way, we've also got these other things going on. But I'm so. But getting away from that, summer wines, that Pinot Grigio. It's got a little bit of that color that that I that I really think Pinot Gris and Grigio should have. So it's got that slight salmony note. It's almost as if you'd soaked a, a, just a piece of salmon in the wine and it, and it gave off a little bit of that color. 
Um, and and it's just it's a, it's really good. I'm I'm looking forward to having you try that wine, and tell me how wrong I am. But I don't think I am. No, uh, and I, you know I, how tough I am on on Pinot Gris. I don't think you are either. And the thing is, I think you and I try really hard to be, just because I think we're both Featherstone fanboys. We we try to keep each other in check when it comes to um, making sure our reviews aren't obnoxiously generous when it comes to the winery. But I think. It's one winery where you and I, in spite of how things have changed with what we're drinking, um, uh, you know, remains firmly in the Venn diagram in terms of quality to price and, and whatever. Okay. Oh, God. Featherstone is not paying us to talk about this All right, this all podcast. right, stop it. No, look, I mean, it's you. I, you're just me, as guilty as I am Let me get on to uh, some stuff outside of Ontario before you bring us, drag us back there. Uh, I recently tried a, a Fess Parker. Uh, 2017 Marcella White. I don't yeah, know if you, uh, I did you got a chance that. to try that. I did taste that, but I, I, it, it wasn't, it wasn't memorable for me. Okay, the reason it was me- first of all, it's a Viognier Marsan Roussan. Yeah, yeah. Um, not necessarily would I immediately gravitate towards that bottle as a summer wine per se, uh, because it is slightly weighty. But I thought it would be a really good food wine, like an evening kind of wine, where you know everybody's ha- either either with dinner or after dinner when everybody's kind of sitting around the fire, when we can get everybody to sit around the fire, and you pull something out that's got a little bit more weight that 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 you know that the end of the evening requires, and people who don't want like port or a red wine, they say you know I I really wish I had a, a white wine. I think this white wine is that end of the evening, um, you know, cl- kind of a closer wine for those who want you to end on a white. Or and you that's, could drink that's more Chardonnay. I like that wine because I could I could see it having a place in front of the fireplace. No, so you know what? I'm being I'm being a smartass. I'm actually I'm listening to you talking about that. I'm actually not sure if I've tried that. Uh, I'll have to go back and see if if that was sent to me. If not, because I know sometimes you and I get different. Sets of samples, but you said it was Viognier, Roussan, and Marsan. Yeah, yeah, those are grapes that I like to um, like to drink when I get the chance. I recently just ordered from Bricks and Mortar a, a few wayward bottles of the Mendrimisiere um, Marsan, and uh, you know it's not one that I would normally bring up on the on the podcast because it's so. Like you got you got to order it from the agent, and I think I got the last few bottles of the current vintage. There's more stuff coming out, but man, those are grapes that I just need to drink more often. Yeah, they just it's it's just it's just fun. And when I when I learned what it was in there, I was like, okay, now I, I one I get the wine a little bit better, and, and two now I see its place um, at at the table or after the table. Another another favorite uh, from last year and still in in the LCBO, and you can pick it up. Is the Paco and Lola 2019 Albarino? It's a it's a Spanish wine yeah. from Riach Bayash, um, and it's uh, that Albarino, and it's just like just cheek jangling acidity on this wine. Um, Floral notes, but it, it also has just a touch of of weight, uh, so that it's uh, you know citrus, but then it's like that pineapple core. Um, it's oh, uh, pineapple uh, core. You really want to eat the core of the pineapple? It's the core because it's 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 you know it's got that almost like fibrous character and it's almost a little bit on the uh, on the bitter side, right? And then 
if and then it and then it seems to have a little green apple and then it, it kicks in with a little beeswax so it's it there's a yin and yang going on with this wine because you get it in the mouth and it's fresh you swallow it and you go oh there's some weight there uh and it and, it, and it's still fresh but it's got a different mouth feel and it is an, one of those afternoon wines and as i said some of those wines i don't like to think about it's one of those wines that yeah you will be thinking about it uh, as as you're sipping on it, and you know what? If the company sucks, the wine is good. Well, there you go. Um, <laughs> actually, you know what? I I, I was going through and, and thinking about like just the conversation. There's a wine on my um, that is not on my list that I recently tasted. That it was a showstopper. Um, the Wakefield Riesling. Oh yeah. Uh, two grams per liter residual sugar, thirteen percent alcohol. Just like brilliant chemistry, but it doesn't taste as dry as it is um and i I think the problem with australian riesling i know christina roman and carrie mortimer are uh, two people who listen to the podcast from time to time have both tried to feed me australian riesling wines that they really love and every time i taste it's just like no the acidity's not there the acidity's not there but this wakefield and i know we're talking about a fairly large winery um it's just really yummy um, yeah, sometimes Wakefield summer. can really, really nail it with that Riesling, and other times it, it's that you know un, unbalanced um, uh, mess that, yeah, that's, I, that's that's I find in a lot of Australian Rieslings. But this this year they they nailed it. The 2019 is outstanding, just out friggin' standing. And I think if you're an Ontario an Ontario lover, an Ontario wine lover, it'd be fun to pick this up and pour it next to, you know, grab a bottle of uh, Vineland Riesling, grab a bottle of Megalomaniac Riesling, do them side by side, and just see how good Riesling can be across the board, regardless of continent. Now, um, I, I think we both got these, and I'm not sure whether you've tasted them or not, um, but we got some... Heart they, tea. they appeared at the door, and and somehow you said I sent them to you. I I, I know. I'm like the the publicist getting these. The publicist and, pitched uh, to you me. Said, the, the pub- I, well, yeah. I, I sent the email to them, and I'm like, oh, or oh, you replied to an email from there. There's they're hard tea. It's uh, what is it? Freed Earth or something? Yeah, yeah, they are. And they were they were just really. They had three kinds, uh, and and sadly, you know, it's isn't it always the way. So they have a, a black tea with lemon, they yeah. have a white tea with raspberry, yeah. and they have a green tea with honey. And tasting through them all, I was like, oh, I really love that black tea with lemon, followed by the uh, the white tea with raspberry, and then the green tea with honey. Looked at the LCBO website, which one are they carrying? Oh, no. Yeah, the green tea with honey. Oh. And I'm like... I, I, like, I liked two of the three, and the green tea... The green tea with honey. Listen, personal taste. I, I know there's people who probably really like green tea, but I I couldn't. I just was well, not I, a fan. I like green tea. I was looking forward to it. It's, it's the honey is just seems artificial to me. The black tea though tasted like a a really good version of Nest tea. Exactly. I mean that in the best way that, possible. Yes, and and you could get into a lot of trouble with that. I could just see because I remember, uh, you know, I, I, I can still do it, but you get a good can of really cold nest tea. You can, you can crack the thing open and chug the whole thing in like one gulp. That's what this thing was like. This hard, uh, free, uh, freed earth tea. I was like, I could drink tons of this in that fashion and then be on the floor. 
Do you want me to get my other... 5%. Like, I mean, you yeah. have to drink a lot, but I mean... No, but I mean, that's... You know, it's the other nice thing about a drink like that is, you know, enough to, like, just help you relax. Don't drink too many of them. Uh, relatively dry, like 5 grams per liter residual sugar or 4 grams no. per liter residual sugar. Three, three, I think. Three. Just a really well put together beverage. Um, yeah. Really, I was really happy with that. And I was like, oh, well, I'm going to go buy a, you know, a case of the of the black tea for sure. Nope. Good work, LCBO, picking the worst of the bunch. So, Are, are we really surprised, though? No. They really just, they let me down time and time and time again. So, do you want me to go through uh, my other two Chardonnays? You know what? I, before you do that, I'm going to give a, sh- I, I give a shout out to somebody sent me this bottle. It doesn't come out, and I don't understand why. It doesn't come out till September. Uh, it's from Cantina del Garda. It's an Italian from Veneto. It's a Bartolino Rosé. It's a 2020. Uh, turns out it's going to be 12.95. So it's like absolutely in that you know great wheelhouse for great rosé. You know for for you know picking up a bunch and pouring them and and just having a great afternoon because it's 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 lively. It's fruity. It's raspberry. It's got a touch of lemon, but you know a little bit of peach in there. There's just a lot going, and the acidity is just killer. And you again, you know when the LCBO is bringing that out? Never. September. <laughs> yep, that's when I'm going to be drinking the most of my rosés. You, you know, it's another moment that we had um, sort of off off microphone here. Um, you know, I'm lucky enough to be able to sell some of the ADX Wine System licensees, but the licensees I'm selling to are largely bottle shops at this point. And, you know, it's one of my favorite things about delivering wine to the people who are buying wine for me is I can very rarely leave without spending some money. Um, you know, I'm, I'm finding more and more the vintages section at the LCBO completely and utterly irrelevant because I can set foot in Ascari or Social or Archive or Neek in Hamilton and grab a bottle of wine that I can't get at the LCBO that isn't obnoxiously expensive but is completely interesting you know it's it you know what the more i i leaf through the vintages magazines the more i am disheartened by by what our liquor monopoly has has become and and their timing for some of this stuff like that bartolino there's there's why there's no the hell are you having no it come out in september Frankly, it should be it should latest august for that we we the are latest. at the point we are we are at the point where we are witnessing our liquor monopoly who were doing an okay job and, and you know what let's be blunt they've been doing a pretty good job um, delivering a good um, shopping experience to the consumers of Ontario and I think we're at the point especially with the pandemic that they are getting lazy and they're getting complacent and I hope some of the larger agents. Um, you know, I don't know if Family Wine is considered a large agent. I don't know if Rogers and Company are considered large agents. But you guys need to think about starting to open your own, and I'm putting this in air quotes, restaurants. Because thanks to Doug Ford, uh, who I've been very critical of on this podcast, you all have the ability to open your own retail space. You just got to hire a couple of cooks to make something people want to take home with you. It's yep. one of my favorite Amen. things about setting foot in archive is... Um, at the beginning of the pandemic, to buy a great bottle of Beaujolais, I had to buy a $1 set of almonds to take home with me. Now when I go to Archive, I get a great bottle of Beaujolais, I get some hot sauce, I get some pickles, I get something. Yeah, 
I have to buy the food item with it, but you know what? It sure beats buying the Beaujolais that the LCBO brings in because their buyer from France knows jack about Well then. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm, I'm frustrated. Excuse me I'm, as I cough that one up. I'm frustrated as a consumer. I'm frustrated as a consumer that I have well, to I... either order an entire case from an agent or pay for the markup. But you know what? If I have my bottle shops willing to uh, step up and, and fill the demand, fill your boots. But you know what? Well, I want I want to see the LCBO feel threatened. I want to see the LCBO do a better job because they are not doing a good job. No, I don't. I don't. I think they start doing more um, more big brands, and they'll let. And, and if they're smart, they just let the bottle shops do their do their smaller brands. But cool, you're, you'll pick shops. up your Gallows. You're going to pick up your your Artera. You're going to pick up all your be. stuff like but that's that. That's how it should be. From, a- and your Constellation, you're going to pick it up from the LCBO. You know, the smaller places, you're going to go to the bottle shops. That's that's just the way they. I guess they should do it. Yeah. Uh, and 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 Costco should get into the get into the game as well. Well, I mean, we're a long way from Costco being up there because there's no way the LCBO is going to want to compete with, you know, Costco would be able to compete for business like Ravenswood. And, but look, uh, Costco's, Costco's already got a restaurant. Well, let's see it happen. Uh, this, okay, we're, get, we're getting a little, we're getting a little <laughs> off topic here. I went on a bit of a rant. But anyways, the bottom line is I would like to see the bottle shop culture expand beyond Toronto. I would love to see, you know, for people in Kitchener and Kingston and um, St. Catharines, I want to see more bottle shops and not bottle shops that are just necessarily supporting local. Obviously, I want to see that, but you know, I'd like to see some agents step up and help and 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 find a way to make this happen because I think oh. I think people don't mind paying the markup if they're getting a good product at a fair price. All right, back to your. Your wines of summer. I know you've got some Chardonnay, and then believe shed. it or not, I have two on my list too. So, twenty nineteen Rusty Shed from Flat Rock. Okay. And um, twenty nineteen Bachelder Le Village. Okay. That's it. You got nothing to say about that sauce. Chardonnay twenty nineteen. Twenty nineteen is looking like a pretty good, uh, pretty good situation. Twenty nineteens are gonna are, are good Chardonnays. Um, I, and I, and here, and here's why I think 18 was, was very lackluster. Yeah, I think 2018 needs a bit of time. So I, I just, I'm, I haven't really, really thrilled with the 2018 Chardonnays. Um, but the 19, the 17s were really good and the 19. So I think 18 is going to be overlooked and, uh, I hate to say it, maybe it should be because, uh, it, it really lacked, um, it lacked acidity as far as I was concerned. Well, there you go. Uh, as far as, um, as my Chardonnays, see yours obviously are, are oaked and, and upper, upper echelon Chardonnays, let's call them. Uh, I went with the, the cassava 2019 unoaked Chardonnay. I was really pleasant, uh, uh, a really good, easy drinking, inexpensive LCBO, uh, wine, but really good acidity. And that's what you want. If you're going to go with an unoaked Chardonnay. Um, and I'm not a huge fan of the, uh, of the, of the, uh, style, but this to me was really what you were looking for. Um, just nice, fresh fruit, good acidity. The cassava, the, the, the cassava on oak Chardonnay is usually pretty good. And then the, uh, you know what, who, who, who got a good one from 2020 was uh, Westcott's 2020, uh, Lilius. That's, I believe their unoaked version as well. 
and uh, really different from the uh, the cassava because of the acidity level. But the lilias also, they seem to have maintained a little bit of acidity in there, a little bit of minerality, but they've also got some really lovely fruit. And it's another one of those, you know, crushable, um, sessionable, as you like to call it. <laughs> Uh, uh, Chardonnays that that should be on your patio, sitting in a uh, in a bucket of ice, and just you know pull it out, pour the glass, ch- uh, chuck it back. Um, you know both of those those Chardonnays. Uh, I think both are under twenty, and uh, you know really really worth. Um, you know, I like the I like the Westcott uh, Pinot Noir Rosé, the Vine Mount Ridge. I I, I thought it was very good. I think. Let me let, let me um, let me see if I can read your mind. Uh, opening the envelope and it says uh, didn't have enough acidity for Michael Pincus. It uh, it was it was good. Um, it's one of the few that had a little bit of acidity. As I said, twenty twenty is not an acid year. So for you acid heads out there, um, you're oh, going to get a lot of it fruit, had more, but you're it had not going to get a lot of acid. It had more acidity than when pigs fly. I'll, I'll tell you it that, does. and I was very that, pleasantly that would, surprised. I would give you hundred percent. Yeah, I was yeah. very pleasantly surprised by that. Yeah, and as I said, they're few and far between. You know who else had really good acidity and and surprisingly so? Uh, twenty twenty seven. Uh, his his new twenty twenty Gamay Rosé is uh, really got that packs up a real, you know, mouth puckering punch uh, of acidity. And uh, uh, just tried that not too long ago, and uh, and and really surprised by the acidity he's managed to keep in in that one. Well, there we go. Yeah, there you go. Matt, we've talked for almost an hour, and... Uh... I don't really think you did $5 worth of Chardonnay, so I'm glad that uh, that Brian's going to see that money, because uh, you said it right at the beginning, so... Yep. Uh, no, we're, do- we're doing pretty good. I think I- we're on par for a modest donation this year. I think we're going to have to start swearing more the back half of the year, though, to help the uh, people in Haiti. <laughs> Man, here's the thing is, okay, we're recording this on, on May 17th, um, and like I said, I don't want this to be another COVID-related um, COVID-related podcast, but I am heartened, as opposed to disheartened, I'm heartened to see the numbers heading in the right direction. And I know you and I, like, we had a bunch of interviews sort of lined up, and then everything got extended, and things got locked down further. So I'm really looking forward to the month of June, where hopefully we can do some of these face-to-face. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to tasting some wines with people like uh, with Brian Schmidt and and Shiraz Motiar and, and anybody else that uh, that we. Uh, I think we should sit down with Derek again. It's been a while. Last time we did I, it was a little legacy podcast. I think we should just we should just check in with him. I, you know what? Uh, I was speaking to him the other day because I was talking to him about his muscat. We're gonna do uh, stump the chump with him. I think that would be fantastic. Yeah, um, I know it. We're gonna we're definitely doing it. I, and and you know I know you and I we didn't talk about this beforehand, but I really would like to talk to him about Pinot Noir and what he's working on. Because the lot like, let's be blunt, the first Meldville Pinot Noir was not his best work. The most recent one I tasted is almost a return to form to that. What was it? Lot forty eight that he used to do at. Uh, yeah, the- the eight, the eighteen is is very good, really good stuff. Yeah, we need to. Uh, yeah, we need to. We need to talk to that guy. All right. Well, I've, I've already. I told you we're gonna put do a stump the chump, and maybe halfway through we can break into Pino. Or we could do both. Or we could do both. 
Andre, why don't you wrap this one up so that people can get back to their vineyard work? <laughs> um, once again, the friendly reminder. Do you want to taste wine with Michael Pincus and I? It seems very clear that there are not a lot of people super excited about it, but we promise it will be fun. As we it's said, a lot more exciting than you think. Michael and I are tasting very different things, and it'll probably be a mix of both. So you know what? If... <laughs> You can uh, you can help us out on Patreon and tell Michael how wrong he is to his face, so I can just sit there and be satisfied. I no. would really love no. that. It would be it would be you that people are like, "What are you smoking, Andre?" Ah, uh, yeah, we'd see about that. Anyways, Patreon.com/slash Two Guys Talking Wine. And if you don't want to go for that, there are some lower tiers, even two dollars or five dollars a month. Uh, we have a lot of people who listen to this podcast. We will keep it going, but if you take the time to support us, uh, we really appreciate it. Um, it does take a lot of work and I know Michael and I at the beginning of the podcast alluded to it. Um, you know, it, it does take work to put a product to air. So we, we thank everyone for listening. We thank you for thinking about supporting us and, um, yeah, we try not to swear as often as we could. I am Andre Prue from AndreWineReview.ca. I have some very exciting stuff. Oh, Michael, there's one specific thing I want to give myself a shout out to because I don't do Taste It Again normally. You do taste it again on your site where you raid your cellar and then you write about wines that you taste and you're usually brutally honest about the mixed results. Uh, I recently opened a 2010 Lazy 12 from Hinterland. Yeah, I think you mentioned that uh, a couple of podcasts ago. Okay, I've posted the notes at AndreWineReview.ca and um, if you if anyone listening to this podcast has any 2010 Lazy 12, open it now. Um, stunning. That's <laughs> it. Uh, anyways, finish your wrap-up, Michael. Sorry, didn't mean to hijack that part. <laughs> and I'm Michael Pincus of MichaelPincusWineReview.com. Uh, I've got something coming out every day, uh, and I have no idea what's coming out this week because uh, I've suddenly drawn a blank. Oh, my newsletter's coming out, and the Rosé Report comes out at the end of June. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing that one uh, on people's eyeballs, I guess. I like the Rosé Report. I it's a lot of it's a lot of fun to do, although it is a lot of work because it's a lot of rosé, and not all rosés are good. I'm just saying that. But if you've got one, I do want to try it. Again, he's Andre. I'm Michael. Good night. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to Two Guys Talking Wine on iTunes. This episode of Two Guys Talking Wine was produced by Jim Ray and Adam Duran.